welcome to Mission 150, the podcast that tells stories from 150 years of Seventh-day Adventist mission to the world. To find out more about the mission of the Adventist Church today, go to AdventistMission.org. That's AdventistMission.org. And thanks so much for joining us again here on Mission 150 with me, David Trim. And me, Sam Nevis. Today, we're joined by Zachary Kirstein who is a junior at Southern Adventist University. Zach, welcome to Mission 150. Thank you so much for having me. Zach, you have an interesting personal history related to Mission, but you also have a very interesting family connection to the history of Adventist Mission. Tell us about your family. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so something about my family that I think is pretty unique, uh, especially to the Adventist Church, um, is that we're actually related all the way back to the founding of our church. Um, so Jay and Andrews um, is my great, 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 great grandfather. Wow. <laughs> so wow. you are the great, 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 four times great grandson of the church's first missionary. Wow. How conscious were you of that as you were growing up? Did you feel that you had, as it were, an inherited legacy of mission? Um, in a way, yeah. So I definitely knew about it growing up. Um, it was something that my family is really proud of. Um, and so I knew about it. Um, but I don't know necessarily if it's like an inherent like legacy, but more of like a privilege to be able to be related to him and to continue um, the mission of our church. And so your family was proud of the connection. You knew about it as, as a child. Did you have yeah. other family members that worked for the church and... and and believed in this mission, and were also helping to complete it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my my family was, has really big ties when it comes to the Review and Herald. So as you know, um, my J.N. Andrews was one of the first editors of the Review, um, and it's really interesting um, how we were able to um, stay in that family, um, in that in that company as well, and the mission of the church. So my grandfather worked there, um, my dad worked there, my uncle worked there. Um, up to his family and, and my grandparents' grandparents. And it's just been something that's been a part of our um, part of our family. What did they do at the review? Your grandfather, your father, and your uncle, what did they have different roles? Yeah, so my grandfather was the art director for a really long time. Um, and he was able to uh, make book covers and some really cool art that we uh, see in our church. Um, and then my uncle and my dad, they were actually models uh, for like the, the book covers themselves. So you have a, a history of Adventist models. That's two words that <laughs> two words that maybe many church members wouldn't associate putting together. But of course, for any artwork, you have to have a model. So that makes perfect sense. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about your personal your personal story for a bit. Uh, we'll go back to mission in a moment. Uh, where were you born? So I grew up in Richmond, Virginia. Um, I grew up there, and I. Uh, Moved down to Georgia um, and near this area here at Southern um, when I was about 14. And why did you go to high school? So um, when I was 14, right about entering high school, um, we moved to Calhoun, Georgia um, from Richmond. And I actually attended uh, Georgia Cumberland Academy. Georgia Cumberland Academy. Right, right. When you were at high school, did you feel a call to be involved in the church's mission already then? Um, I would say, yeah. I, but it wasn't like a huge call. Um, GCA was, I had an amazing time at GCA, an amazing experience. And through my time at GCA, they were able to provide me 
um, with so many mission opportunities. And I would say it kind of like first sparked my mission interest when I was in high school, um, going on mission trips. Uh, every year there were numerous mission trips. Um, starting my freshman year, we did a local mission trip uh, near like the Appalachian Mountains. I um, mean, we, we uh, our, our school actually had connections there for many years, almost 20 years going to this same location. So this is, um, a, this is a kind of community-based outreach. Absolutely, yeah. It's a community and relational base where we would come back year after year and continue providing support and working on projects for people in the area. What sort of things did you do? Oh, that's a good question. Um, what did I do? Freshman year, I think I, was a, I would uh, paint like a porch um, and we would just help the people in the area. So, for example, if there was a person uh, uh, that maybe lost a spouse um, and she wasn't able to take care of her house for many years. Um, and I know there was one lady where uh, her entire yard was covered in leaves for like years and years and years. Uh, so we were able to just kind of make their lives a little bit easier um, and show them God through that service. So these were service projects? Yep, absolutely. And how many students would typically go on one of these short-term mission trips to the Appalachian Mountains? I would say like 40 or 50 at a time. Yeah. And so were you working for people who were already church members? or No. So this was, this was genuinely for people who had no, no connection with the Seventh-day Adventist church? Yeah, correct. Mm -hmm. Just people who were in need. Anyone who was in need. That's great. What, what else did you do on your... Georgia Cumberland Academy trips. Did you go anywhere other than the Appalachian? Yeah, so um, I did that actually my two times my, during GCA for the Appalachian mission trips. But my junior year um, in high school, I was actually able to go to Peru. Um, and I went to Peru for about two weeks. Um, and I was able to work with a project up there. Our school uh, sent us there. Um, and it was called the People of Peru Project. And it was in Iquitos, Peru. And we were able to work with local people. Um, we brought a dentist with us and did some dentist, dental work um, and really kind of developed the relational business, uh, relational ministry um, of the mission. So I was, we were able to have VBS um, and get to know the kids. Um, and honestly, that really, that mission trip really kind of formed and founded like my love of missions and specifically working with children. Um, we were able to do VBS programs and it was just like, it was amazing. I remember those kids still to this day. How did you find it going to Iquitos in Peru? Because uh, it's a very different culture. Did you experience culture shock, as it's sometimes called? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't know what I was getting myself into or really what I was to expect. Um, but absolutely, I experienced culture shock. And I think that culture shock, though, was good because it, it helped me prepare for kind of what's, what was in my future. How much time did you have to get over culture shock, though, if you're only there for two weeks? That's a pretty steep learning curve, right? Yeah, you have about a day. <laughs> One or two days. I see, I see a, an interesting pattern here, David. We've got, in the past, we used to send teams that would do very much what Zach described. You know, they'll take care of health, education, and, and children, and et cetera. And they will go in teams, but they would stay for a much longer period of time because getting there was the main hurdle. Right, right. Because it took weeks and months sometimes. Yes. Now that transportation technology has developed, it seems to me that Zach's experience and that of many other students is that now that it's faster to get there, we can go have an impact of two weeks 
and then come back and prepare and, and just be part of people's lives for that period of time, but then maybe go back eventually and so on. Um, there is a, there is a, a dance here between mm. our mission uh, focus and the advancement in travel technology that right. we need to, uh, that we've been adapting to. But uh, Zach, did you find that the investment of two weeks time in people's lives, did that seem superficial? Hmm. Um, I think it seemed, well, that's a really good question. Super, um, it, it, okay, so what it did was it allowed us to go and bring a lot of people for a short amount of time. And so with that impact that we had, we were able to do things that maybe the organization couldn't do by themselves. So for example, they needed us to take down some infrastructure that was like damaging or, or, and like harmful for the children. And they couldn't do it, just one or two of them, but we were able to bring in like 60 of us and able to get it done within a day or two. Um, so I don't think it was necessarily superficial, but it's kind of like quick projects um, that can help like in a long way. So they actually took 60 kids from Georgia Cumberland Academy to Peru. Yeah, it was about 60 of us. Right. That's amazing. Now, I don't know if anyone told you, Zach, but actually in Iquitos, you were in the heart of Adventist history in Peru because two great missionaries who really pioneered the work there, Ferdinand and Anastal, first were based in Iquitos in the late 1920s and the early 1930s. Did anyone share that with you when you were there? No. That's Really cool knowledge, yeah. That's David. You know, when you hang around with David, you learn a lot of cool stuff. Um, okay, where are we going next with, with Zach's story? Shall we go to Bolivia now? Well, let's go to Southern. You, you, you graduated from Georgia Cumberland, having been to the Appalachians, having been to Peru. Why did you go to Southern? So I went to Southern for a couple of reasons. Um, my parents went to Southern um, and actually graduated from Andrews. Um, and then my grandparents also went to Southern. So I have a good amount of uh, family history at Southern. Um, but I'm also interested in like business um, and uh, Southern has a really good business program and it's less than an hour from my house. So all of those combined just really seemed like the right place to go. I would have thought you would have gone to Andrews. You know, it's your, <laughs> it's your granddad's university named after him, but no, you go to Southern. That's interesting. That's true. <laughs> so in your third year, you, you're a junior, you've just finished your junior year, but you would have been a senior year, except something happened that interrupted your four years and made you, as it were, lose a year. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, it was a little reverse. So my end of my sophomore year into my um, junior year there. Um, but I can tell you, so what happened was I had this call um, and I just felt that, uh, the Lord was really impressing upon me to be a student missionary for a year. Um, and that was a call that wasn't like out of nowhere. Um, it was, he was definitely working on my heart and developing this, um, call within me. Um, I think all the way back from, like we were saying from GCA, uh, going to Peru, um, and developing, um, the relationships that I had with the kids in the VBS programs, going to Appalachia, um, and just doing these short-term mission trips really like showed me that mission was something I wanted to do. Actually, during my freshman year at Southern, um, they, had, they have these Vespers uh, occasionally uh, called the Student Mission Vespers, and they highlight student missionaries and the work that they do all around the world, and they have people come back and talk about it. Um, and during that night, uh, there was a sense of, um, of just like peace within me that this is something that I wanted to do. Um, they had a call, 
And I decided like, I really want to do this. I don't know when I want to do this, um, but I want to be a student missionary. And I just felt it, um, the Holy Spirit leading and guiding in my, in my life I, at that moment. Um, and so I decided to be a student missionary at some point in my life. Um, COVID happened and it kind of disrupted quite a bit of travel and plans. And I didn't feel like that was quite the right time my sophomore year to go out um, with all the uncertainties happening. Um, but then my the, after my sophomore year, um, I felt that this was the right time to go out. Is that when we got to Bolivia? Yes. We're, we're in Bolivia. Talk to me about Bolivia. <laughs> yeah. So um, the, when I decided to go to Bolivia, that was also a long process of deciding where to go. Right. So you, you, you volunteered to be a student missionary, but it's not necessarily clear where they might send you, right? Right. Absolutely. It's completely up to the person where they want to go. Um, so it was my decision and not really my decision. It was God's decision, but I had to make it. Um, and I didn't really know where I wanted to go. Um, I knew I wanted to work with kids. I loved working with kids before. And I knew that I wanted to work somewhere where I could be with the kids, like at all times, like summer camp, just completely to the extreme. Um, <laughs> and so I knew that this is what I wanted to do. And so I kind of narrowed it down to a couple orphanages. Um, and Bolivia was just calling my name. Um, and as soon as I made the decision to go to Bolivia, I felt this like internal peace um, that was definitely divine peace um, and, and just like a clarity of like, this is the location where I'm going. And I know that no matter what, like God's going to be with me through it all. Is that partly because you went, you'd been to Peru and of course, Peru and Bolivia are neighbors. It was, was it something to do with that or were, were there other reasons? I think that was a big reason for it. Um, I also wanted to learn a little bit of Spanish. And so I was definitely able to do that in Bolivia. Um, and I just felt like that location, like I was, I, I've been to the region before. I was at Peru, a little bit comfortable with it. And so it just was a more comfortable choice. So whereabouts were you in Bolivia? So I was in Runabaque, Bolivia, which is in the department of Bini, um, which is kind of like the, um, the northeast part of Bolivia. So were you close to the capital or a big city or were you in a rural area? So it was a rural area. We were about um, 12 hours away from La Paz. Um, and that was definitely a hard 12 hours because uh, you had to go through death road to get there, um, which is a whole experience. Um, but it was, uh, that road is pretty crazy, but you had to go 12 hours on death road to get to uh, Runabake. That doesn't sound good. Death road. Why, why is it called yeah. that? Um, I think it's called that, unfortunately, because people die on it quite often. Um, the road is in the Andes Mountains, and it is uh, just dirt or gravel. Um, and there's it's just on in the mountains all the way up there on the cliff. Um, and the cars can just slide off quite, quite easily when it gets muddy and rainy. Um, and these big buses and semi-trucks and little cars as well, all managing on the same road. What were your responsibilities when you were there? What, what did you yeah. do day to day? So when I got to Familia Feliz, um, Familia Feliz is an orphanage in Runabake. Um, and my day-to-day -day, honestly was different almost every day, which is something that I loved. But I was primarily a house parent assistant and a teacher. Um, and I also helped a little bit with some uh, fundraising. What does a house parent mean? So a house parent um, means you are in charge of these kids. Uh, and their lives, and you're in charge of feeding them and getting them ready to go to school, waking them up, disciplining them, being there to love them, being there to support them, 
Um, literally, you're you're their parent. How old were you at this point, Zach? I was twenty. Twenty, and you had lots of 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 responsibilities with uh, with kids like that. That's quite something. Yeah, actually, I had fifteen fifteen kids actually. What wow. sort of ages were they? So I was in a little boy's house. So I had ages uh, two to ten. And so here you are at the age of 20, effectively being thrust into the role of a parent for 15 children. Yeah. How did you, <laughs> how was that? How, what was the learning curve? Talk us through that. Well, it was a very steep learning curve. Not much time to, uh, to really get it, be able to learn. Um, but it was something that I absolutely loved. Um, I got thrown in there um, and I just knew that I was here to love these kids. Um, if I couldn't speak the language to them, I was there to show them that I am here just to be with them and to love them. Actually, interesting enough, um, within about two days of me being there, the house parents that were originally there at the house, they at this point have had like almost no breaks for probably two years. And so they decided that they are going to take a vacation, which good for them. But I am now uh, here. So it's just house. you now. It's just you. It is. It's me and another guy, also 20, from Ecuador. We all we got there just a couple of days before I did. Um, so the two of us couldn't speak the language to each other. Like we couldn't communicate and we were in charge of all these kids. It was a crazy, wild, fun experience. So how long, how long were you in, in before they came back? It was about three weeks. Three weeks. Oh, wow. And how was, um, how did you cope with being away from friends, family, parents, all of that? Yeah. Um, it was something that was difficult. It was difficult because I have never been um, really ever in another country for this long. Um, I've never been in a culture where I didn't understand or know. Um, and so that by itself was difficult. And then having the language barrier and the friend barrier and family, all that, it was, uh, it was difficult. Um, but it was not impossible at all. Um, and it was something that every day, like, I never felt like I was missing out or I never felt that this decision that I made was a bad one. Um, it was a challenging decision and a growing decision, but it was one that like, I knew that God was with me the entire time. So I never felt this need of needing to leave or not wanting to be there. So you felt Jesus was with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that must've helped. Um, how did the boys respond to you? Oh, um, I loved them and we had a great time. I, they loved me. Um, and it was honestly such a warm welcome and embrace. Um, as soon as I got there, I saw 15 kids running at me from my house <laughs> and they were just there running at me and hugging me and jumping all over me already. And just a whole, as soon as I was there, it was, it was, it was real. And it was, it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. How did you manage imposing discipline? Was that difficult? That was difficult. Yeah. Um, especially I think it was difficult because I didn't have a connection with as, as well as with these kids within my first three weeks. Um, and I wasn't someone that they're used to seeing or they're used to being around or, um, it was definitely difficult, but, um, the director there actually, she was able to help us a lot. And she told us, you know, when you're disciplining them, you need to make sure that you're disciplining them hundred percent. But when you're not disciplining them, you need to make sure that you're loving them hundred percent hmm. so that they know that you are not just there to discipline, but you're also there to love. And that's your primary reason. Um, and that's something that I tried to do every day. Did you feel you were showing the love of Jesus to these boys? I do. Yeah. Um, these boys were 
they just had almost just horrible lives um before this they so many stories that really just shook me um something that i'm not used to or every even hearing about um give us an example zach give us an example yeah so one of these kids um a lot of them have many 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 siblings so one of these kids uh was one of about six or seven kids um and his name was andres and andres was eight years old um and his mom was pregnant again um and so he was about to have another kid and all of his siblings are here at familia felice with him um and this kid was just he was such a great kid great bubbly happy kid um but uh one time if you don't mind i'll show you a little story actually his mom came in to take him out, uh, which they can do. Uh, so a lot of these kids, a lot of these families, they kind of drop off the kids uh, if they can't afford them as well. So it's not just a place of completely orphaned children, um, but maybe the kids and the families that can't take care of them as well. Um, so anyways, one day the mom came and dropped and came and took them out to town and came back. And Andres was really upset. Um, and I knew a lot was going on with his with his family life, um, obviously. And, and his mom was pregnant again and he he just saw that spent the whole day with her um but he came back and was very upset um not the bubbly kid that he was and so i was able to get some time with him just the two of us and i was like andres are you okay what's going on um and he was able to share with me but at first he was a little hesitant he said oh it was just my brother because two of his brothers lived in the house with us so oh just my brother he was just hitting me we got in a fight which Sure, that happens all the time for siblings, but I knew that wasn't the case for him. Um, and he just kept saying that. Um, and uh, long story short, I was able to tell him that, Andres, I'm so sorry for what your mom was able, what your mom has done for you and what your family has done for you. He's eight years old, right? And he just starts bawling because he knows that his mom isn't there for him. He knows that his mom is now pregnant and maybe not. he's not going to get the attention that he wanted, whatever it is in his eight-year-old mind. But he knew, but it was affecting him. Um, and I was able to be there and to comfort him and to hug him and to just be the shoulder for him to cry on. Um, and in that moment, I, I felt and was impressed by God that this is why you're here. You're here for moments like this to be there for me, to be, um, my feet and my hands on this earth that when people disappoint other people or when they're not there for their kids, um, I'm, I was able to step in and be called by God to be there. Um, and so that's just an example um, of of one kid that re- truly just touched my heart. And I was so glad that I was able to be there for him. It's clear that God used you to transform other people's lives. In what way did God use them to transform your life? Hmm. Oh, in so many ways. Um, I was able to, I was able to understand what it, what it meant to, um, I was able to feel love from people. Um, like I, I felt love obviously my entire life, but um, when I was able to see genuine like happiness and like how to see happiness and feel happy when you don't have a reason necessarily to be happy. Or I was able to see people giving love when they didn't know what love was like to give. Um, people, I was able to see that like um, doesn't matter where your background is or what your story is, that it's what you make it. These kids had every reason to be upset or to give up um but they were so truly happy and gave so much love to me and that just like that just made me feel like like thank you so much for giving me love even though you've not even the love that has not been given to you 
Um, it was really just a eye-opening experience. You are at Southern now. Yep. Uh, what are you studying and what are you hoping to do in the future? So I'm actually studying uh, business finance um, and I'm minoring in political science. Um, and in the future, I am hoping to go into definitely ministry, whatever that looks like. So, um, and right now I'm thinking of doing hospital administration and the ministry that that provides to people. Um, so, yeah. Zach, how did your experience in Bolivia, is it still influencing you as you, as you're back at Southern? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, right now at Southern, I actually work for the student missions department. Um, so it's really cool, full circle moment. Uh, the same people that were able to help me go out, I'm able to now come back and work for them um, and to create um, these experiences and to make sure that these moments happen for more people. Um, so right now we have about another uh, another batch of SMs about to go out, uh, about 60 people. And we're just, yeah, about 60 students. And we're just so excited for their future. And I'm able to help make a class for them and to prepare them and help train them, help uh, create retreats that they can be trained and to learn and to all these moments. And it's really cool to be able to work in this environment and to give back to an organization that I'm really proud of. What kind of training do you do for future student missionaries? So we have a class that meets, um, so it meets the after uh, spring break, so about half a semester. Um, and it just goes into total, oh, you hear the dogs? Yes, we. That's for those who, for those listening. That's Zach's dogs. Uh, yeah. joining. they want to be interviewed as well, but that's fine. <laughs> um, well, what um, the class does is we're able to meet and we're able to um, just go over things that are really important. For example, uh, cultural sensitivity. Um, we're able to go over um, health, your health in the mission field, your mental health in the mission field. Um, what it, what your personal uh, walk with God should be like in the mission field. Um, stuff like that. And then we're also able to go on a retreat. We call it our exit retreat. And we're able to uh, go through uh, simulations. And we're able to go through moments that uh, should be, that you will probably experience in the mission field and to better prepare our missionaries going forward. If there was somebody watching or listening to this who was thinking of going as a student missionary themselves, what would you say to them? I would say absolutely go. Um, because that desire that you might have, um, it's not just placed on your heart for no reason. Um, God has called all of us to be missionaries in whatever aspect that looks like. Um, that's what it means to be a Christian. Um, and it's to be missionaries and to go out. And I feel like it's, it's part of what we should want to do. Um, and if you're considering being a missionary or being a student missionary, if you're, if you're a student like me or not, um, absolutely be a missionary because it's the best thing that I've done. Um, it's what we're called to do, and it's and it's the moment that I felt the most fulfilled in my life. Really, that's great, Zach. We want to thank you for being part of this interview. It's inspiring to see that you are keeping the legacy alive in your own family, and that you are using all the gifts that God has given you to do that. In the first 10, 15 years of ministry, God is more interested in working within us than He is through us. Although He will use those experiences. And we pray that God will continue to do that with you as you progress through the doors that he will open for you. Yes. Zach, thank you so much for being with us. We pray that uh, 
God blesses you. You're in your fi- you're in your week of final exams, and so we really appreciate your taking the time to join us. We pray Thank God you. blesses you in your exams, also in the rest of your career at Southern, and then as you move on to other things as well. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching. We hope you've enjoyed this program and that it's given you a glimpse of what we offer at Adventist Review TV. If you're looking for answers to faith questions, interested in Adventist history, or want something your children can watch without worry, then we encourage you to visit the AdventistReview.tv platform. And if you've enjoyed watching this, but you also like listening to podcasts, you and your friends can listen to this podcast as well on your favorite podcast platform. So if you've enjoyed this, please share it with a friend. If you want to know more about Adventist Mission today, then please go to AdventistMission.org. That's AdventistMission.org. And if, like Zach, you're interested in mission possibilities of places to serve, go to VividFaith.com. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you in the next episode.